Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is John. I'm super glad that you're able to join us this morning online. Uh, so today we are talking about temptation. And so let me ask, what is it that you are tempted by? Uh, and in case we're not clear what temptation is, uh, temptation is when you have a choice and on the one hand, you have something that you know would be healthy, uh, would be wise, uh, that would probably be the best thing for you, for others around you in the long run. And on the other hand, you have something that maybe isn't as healthy, maybe it's not as wise, uh, maybe you know it's not going to be as good for you in the long run. But in the short term, it looks so good. And a lot of us live in this tension every single day in all kinds of different ways where we are presented with these choices between what we feel like we ought to do, what we know what we should do, but also what we are drawn to that we know might not be the best for us, but there's still this big part of us that wants it. Uh, today we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, and if you've been with us, we've been studying this letter for the last uh, couple months now, and it was a letter that was written by a guy named Paul to some Christians 2,000 years ago. And one of the things that I really like about the early church and the first Christians 2,000 years ago is that they didn't call themselves Christians. Uh, they called themselves the way, or they would call themselves the followers of the way. Uh, because what they believed is that they were followers of Jesus and they looked at the way in which Jesus lived his life and the way in which Jesus taught us how we were supposed to live our lives and they absolutely believed that that was the best way to live. And so they were committed to trying to figure out how they could live that way in as much as they possibly could. And I'm guessing that if you're watching this today, then you're at least a little bit on board for that. Uh, that the way of love, the way of peace, the way of forgiveness, the way of generosity, uh, the way in which Jesus lived his life, you're on board for, and there's a part of you that wants to live according to that right way. But there's other parts of you, and there's things that you know that you shouldn't do, there's things that you know might be harmful to your body, uh, that might not be good for your career, that might not be good for where you want to be physically someday, where you want to be spiritually someday, where you want to be marriage-wise someday, parent-wise someday. But every day you're presented and you, you really, really want to. Uh, and so here is what uh, Paul is going to say to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 as it uh, relates to temptation. And we are in 1 Corinthians, uh, starting in verse 13. It says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. So the first thing that Paul wants us to know about, what, about temptation is that the temptations that you face, the temptations that I face, are all common. Uh, there's nothing that's really all that new. And a lot of us struggle with the same stuff. Uh, actually, I was thinking... If we were all together in the same room in the same building, uh, and it would still be a little bit awkward, uh, but if we were all in the same room, uh, I would actually probably make us raise our hands. And, and I might ask the whole room and say, if you are here today and you struggle with anger, if you are sometimes tempted to, to say things that they might feel really good in the moment to say, but you know that they are gonna hurt the other people around you, 
If you struggle with that, would you be brave enough to raise your hand? And you would look all around the room and you would see people that have their hands raised. If I asked, uh, how many of you are tempted to somehow sometimes make unwise physical decisions? Uh, to not sleep as much as you're supposed to sleep, to, not, to eat unhealthy foods and not eat uh, the healthy foods. How many of you are sometimes tempted to, to drink more than you should, uh, to maybe uh, smoke something that you know is not going to be good for you? If you are tempted to do things that are bad for your body, would you raise your hand and you would look around the room and you would see lots of people with their hands raised? And then if I asked, uh, how many of you in the room struggle with pornography? It would get real awkward in the room. But then because of who we are as a group of people and as a church, we're honest. And so you would start to see a few people courageous enough to raise their hands and then you would see more and more and more. And if I asked, how many of you struggle with substance abuse? you would see hands start to go up. Uh, if I asked how many of you struggle with anxiety and worry, you would see lots of hands go up. If I asked uh, how many of you sometimes feel like that you want to hurt yourself or you want to hurt others, you would see hands go up. Because all of us, even though we're different people with different backgrounds, going through different things, the truth is, is that a lot of us struggle with very similar, common things. Uh, I remember uh, years ago uh, when our kids were little, and it's it's funny. Uh, before you have kids, I mean, you have all kinds of just ideals of you know, you know, I'm always going to do this as a parent, and I'm never going to do this. And uh, especially sometimes you would hear stories about you know people, and you see people like yelling at their kids. You're like, oh my gosh, like I, how could they do that? I'm I'm never going to yell at my kid when I have kids someday. Or uh, you'd even hear stories about people who hit their kids. Uh, you'd hear stories uh, before you leave the hospital when you have a baby. They make you watch this video uh, about not shaking your baby, and you watch it. You're like, oh my gosh! I mean, like, who could ever like shake their baby? Who could ever hurt their kid? And then you have kids, and you have them home for a little while, and they never sleep, and they get pretty on your nerves, and all of a sudden it starts to make a little bit more sense. And I remember when our kids were young, I was having a conversation with uh, another dad who's uh, a friend of mine who I, I still look up to as like one of like the greatest parents, you know, one of the greatest husbands, uh, one of the greatest spiritual influences. I mean, this guy just has it together. And just talking about how frustrating it can be to have kids. And he was uh, telling a story that uh, when their kids were little, uh, that one of their kids had colic and was just constantly up at night and they just had like this season where for like days maybe weeks it just felt like no one in the house was sleeping and it was like three in the morning and he was up with the baby and the baby was crying and crying and crying and nothing he would do would make the baby go to bed and it was just I mean he was so just sleep deprived and so exhausted and his anger you know started welling up and he punched a hole in his ceiling and I'm like, well, why did you do that? Because like, I, I knew I was going to hit something, and I thought that would be the much better choice. And this is a guy that was like an amazing spiritual Christian because a lot of the things that we are tempted with, it, it, it's not new. It, 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 it's common. It's the same stuff that a lot of us are struggling with. It's just that a lot of times we don't talk about it. Uh, we feel like that if other people knew that, if they knew what we were struggling with, then somehow they would look down on us. And so we feel like we have to keep it inside with shame and with guilt. 
And Paul wants to blow that up and say, no, if you are tempted, it's common. And there are other people around you that are probably being tempted with the exact same thing. And to drive this point home, uh, Paul gives an example. Uh, and so we just read uh, verse 13. Uh, and uh, we're going to go back to verse 1 now. And Paul is going to uh, share with them a story that would have been a very common story to the people in Corinth uh, 2,000 years ago. Uh, and this was a story that it, maybe it's common to a lot of us still today. And it was a story that happened 1,500 years before Paul wrote this letter. And so 1,500 years ago for them, uh, 3,500 years ago from us. Uh, and the story that he's going to tell is of the Jewish people, the people of Israel, and then when they were slaves in Egypt. Uh, and then God led the people out of uh, Egypt, out of slavery, a guy named Moses. And when he brought them out, there was all these miraculous things that happened. And so they got to the Red Sea and they weren't sure how they were going to be able to cross. And so God parted the Red Sea and they walked across on dry land. And then they got to the middle of the desert and they weren't sure where to go because they'd never been anywhere outside of Egypt before. And so God provided a cloud by day and a fire by night that would literally lead them, show them where they were supposed to go next. Uh, and then they got real hungry and thirsty because they were in the desert and there's no food and there's no water. And so God provided food every day would come down from the sky and they would get up and they would go out of their tents and there'd be food all over the place and there was a rock and the, there was water that would come out of the rock and it was just like this amazing miraculous thing that God did uh, 1500 years ago when they would have all known this story uh, and here's how Paul says it uh, I'm gonna read out of the message version uh, for this it says remember our history friends remember 1500 years ago friends and be warned all our ancestors were led by the providential cloud and they were taken miraculously through the sea. They went through the waters and baptized them like ours. As Moses led them from enslaving death of, to salvation life, they all ate and drank identical food and drink, meals provided daily by God. They drank from the rock, God's fountain for them that stayed with them wherever they were and that rock was Christ. And so Paul said, remember like all the amazing things that God did for the people back then. And the normal thought when people heard that story from 1,500 years ago is they would have looked at the experiences that those people had and thought, man, if I experienced something like that, if I experienced God in that big of a way, uh, if I saw God do those kind of things, then like... I would never give in to temptation because I, I, I would, I would have, my belief would be so strong, my faith would be so strong in God uh, that I would never screw up if I saw God do things like what they saw. But Paul says that what they would have known uh, 2,000 years ago, what many of us know now, is that even though they saw all those amazing things, they still gave in to temptation. Uh, Paul says, but just experiencing God's wonder and grace didn't seem to mean much. Most of them were defeated by temptation during the hard times in the desert, and God was not pleased. And then Paul goes on to say exactly what they were tempted with uh, in the wilderness and what they fell to. And there's four different temptations that Paul says that they struggled with 3,500 years ago, these uh, wandering slaves out in the middle of the desert. It says first, they struggled with idolatry. Uh, and idolatry is something that Paul says is common. 
Uh, and idolatry isn't just going to like a pagan temple and worshiping a statue. Idolatry, the Bible says, is putting anything as more important than God. And so if you were to answer the question, uh, hey, I, I would follow God no matter what. You know, whatever God tells me to do, I would do. But if God asked me to like give more of my money away than I want to give away, then money is your idol. If you'd say, yeah, I, whatever God tells me to do, I would do. But if it's going to be like too uncomfortable, too strange, then I, I don't think I could do that. Then comfort and maybe your image is uh, your idol. If you would say, Man, I, I would do whatever God asked me to do, but I'm, I, I'm not leaving them. Uh, I, I'm not breaking up with them. Uh, I, I'm not going to do that. Then whatever that is, then that is an idol. Uh, it says their other temptation was sexual immorality. And we talked a lot about sexual morality uh, a few weeks ago, if you were uh, with us in the study of 1 Corinthians. Uh, but sexual morality is anything that takes God's amazing gift of sexuality that's supposed to do all these amazing things of intimacy and bringing people close together in a partnership and marriage. Anything that takes that amazing gift of sex and makes it just about physicality, anything that makes it just about a selfish urge, then that is... A sin and that is a temptation that they fell into. Uh, it says that their other temptation was that they be, uh, started becoming very uh, uncontent and so they're out in the desert and every day God was giving them food from the sky and he was giving them water from this rock but it was the same food day after day after day and so after a little while they started to uh, complain. Uh, how come we don't have anything new? Uh, how, we want something different. Uh, why do we just have the same thing? And they got, instead of being grateful with all the ways in which God was providing, they started becoming very uncontent. And man, that's so many of our stories. Is I mean, we live in houses. You know, you open our refrigerators and you look at the food that we have. Uh, you open our closets and you look at the choice of clothes that we have. And, and we, we know that there's folks all over the world, the majority of the world, would look at the way in which we live and they would think, man, if I had that, I would be so thankful. I would, I would be so grateful all the time. Like I would be in want for nothing. But yet we look at what we have and we feel very uncontent. Uh, and then the fourth way that they were tempted is they were just grumbling against God and they were mad because God in their minds was taking way too long. Uh, that God promised that he was going to lead them out of slavery and he was going to take them to a promised land. And I think they thought that maybe that would take like a couple days, a couple weeks, um, but it was taking years. And I don't know about you, but I, as I pray about things, as I want to see God do things in my life, as I want to see God change things, sometimes I can get super frustrated because in my mind it should just happen. And sometimes God takes way longer to do it. And they were tempted with all these things. And it wasn't just that they were tempted, but they failed. Uh, they started to worship those idols. They fell into sexual morality. They were so uncontent and they were just complaining all the time. Uh, they were mad that God wasn't moving fast enough and they grumbled against God and they grumbled against Moses. And Paul says, I want you to remember that story from 1500 years ago. And I want you to learn from them. Uh, here's what Paul says. He says, these things happened to them as an example, and they were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. 
So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Uh, Paul said, I, I want you to remember what they did. I want you to learn from what they did. And one of the things I want you to learn is that what they struggled with back then, I mean, come on, it's, it's common. I mean, the same things that they struggled with 1,500 years ago for them. Uh, the same things that the people in Corinth struggled with for us 2,000 years ago are the same things that we are struggling with today. Uh, Satan is not all that creative, but he's very smart. Because what he wants to do is not give us all kinds of new temptations, but he would love to convince you and convince me that the temptations that you face are new and unique and that you need to be very quiet about them and not tell them to anybody else especially don't tell anybody else at church because no one else is struggling with something that's that bad and you're going to be looked down on and Paul says I want to blow that up and say these temptations I've been going on for thousands of years they are common and so we should share them we should talk about them uh, one of the things that we talk about in Christ Church Albany is that you need to be with a group of people. Church is not a building, it's not an organization, it's a group of people. And you need to have one, two, a couple people who know the real you. Uh, you need people that ask you the question, how are you doing really? You need someone else who knows what you're struggling with so that they can help you and so you can learn from each other. Uh, and I would even go as far as to say that whatever you're struggling with, if you'd be bold enough to tell me or tell one of the other leaders in our church, I guarantee that I could place you with someone else in our church who is right now struggling with the same thing. And maybe you guys could encourage each other. Maybe you could help each other. Maybe you could share about how you've found victory uh, and how you failed before and what, you, and what you've learned from that. And we need to know that what we're being tempted with is common and that we should talk and we should share with each other. Uh, but Paul doesn't end there. Uh, this isn't a matter of just saying like, oh man, I I'm tempted and you're tempted and we're all tempted and this stinks and like, I guess we're all just like, you know, like under this like unfortunate thing of like these like temptations that can get us. Paul says that there is a way out. Here's what Paul says. He says, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Paul says that when it comes to temptation, whatever it is that you're tempted with, that there is a way out. There's a possibility for you to shut your mouth and not say those things. There's a possibility for your anger to subside and calm down before you do anything that you're going to regret. There's a possibility for you to close your computer and walk away. There's a possibility for you to talk better about the other people around you. There's a possibility for you to get over the anxiety and worry that's plaguing you so much. There's a way in which uh, the, the habit or the substance that you're abusing right now, that someday you could be experiencing complete sobriety of that thing, that it is possible. And again, I can place you with folks in our church who can tell you that exact story of how they were able to achieve victory over what they were tempted with. And now Paul's going to tell us how. And it's not by just trying super hard. 
Uh, if that would work, then we could all just set a New Year's resolution each year and say, you know, man, here's what I'm going to make my goal for this year. And we would just, you know, buckle down and work really hard and it would happen. Paul says, no, that here's the trick to uh, getting over temptation. He says it's about communion. It's about this thing that we do each week of taking the bread and the wine and remembering how much Jesus loves us. Uh, here's what uh, Paul is going to uh, say next. I'm going to go back to the uh, message for this. He says, When we drink the cup of blessing, aren't we taking into ourselves the blood, the very life of Christ? And isn't it the same with the loaf of bread when we break and eat? Don't we take into ourselves the body, the very life of Christ? Because there is one loaf, and our manyness becomes oneness. Christ doesn't become fragmented in us. Rather, we become unified in Him. We don't reduce Christ to what we are. He raises us to what He is. Paul says something happens when we regularly take communion of Christ getting inside of us and rising us up to a new level of how we can live our lives, this way of Jesus. Uh, and it's important to say here that when Paul is talking about communion, this first century way of understanding communion, it wasn't just about just taking bread and wine and then moving on with your day. Communion was kind of this whole activity and routines that they would live their life by. It was about regularly coming together with other people who believe these same things and they would share with each other, they would learn together from scripture, they would pray for each other, they would encourage each other, and they would take time to remember that God is real and that he loves us no matter what and to help get Jesus not just in our heads but into our whole bodies and into our hearts. And that's why we talk so much about these spiritual routines at church. This is why it's so important for us to maybe get up early in the morning or you know whatever is your routine and spend time reading the Bible and praying. This is why it's so important for you to be in a community group where you are authentically sharing with other people. This is why it's so important for you to make online church a regular part of your routine where you're taking time to take communion and learn from scripture and to worship the living God is that when we regularly are putting ourselves in these routines, then it, it gets inside of us and Jesus gets inside of us. And when Jesus gets inside of us and when we are getting him in our heads and in our hearts, then it starts to come out through our whole lives so that when we are tempted, we will have a way out. We will able, be able to say, no, not this time. Uh, you are not good for me. You might be great in the moment, you might be great momentary pleasure, but I've had enough experience now to know that that is not what is gonna make me who I want to be and the way in which I wanna live. And so I'm gonna say no, and instead I'm gonna say yes to what is gonna help me become the person that Jesus is making me into. So let's take communion together and let's get Jesus inside of us so that we can change so that we can say no and so that we can say yes. And let's be bold enough to share our temptations and struggles with others because they're common, they're normal. Uh, what you're going through is not something you need to keep secret. And the more that we can talk about it, the more we can help each other. Let's take the bread together. 
Let's take the juice together. Uh, let's pray. Uh, Jesus, whatever we are all going through right now, and I'm sure that even later today, maybe in the next few minutes, we will have one of our temptations prop up. And so we pray that you just are getting inside of us and help us to take the actions necessary to keep you in our minds and in our hearts so that when those temptations come up, we can walk away and we can choose this better and more fulfilling and more loving and hopeful and peaceful and guilt-free way of life. It's your name we pray. Amen. Uh, we love you guys. Uh, have a super great week. Thanks for joining us for church today. We are so glad that you came. We hope you found it helpful to join in on the chat, uh, focus on God, and spend time learning together. We believe that church is not just a building, and it's certainly not just a Sunday thing. We want to become more like Jesus every day. And there are a couple things that we can do to help us grow in that journey with Jesus. One being our Next Steps email. If you are already on our email list, you'll be receiving that shortly. If not, um, it will be posted on the Facebook page in just a little bit. This email has steps um, for questions to ask yourself and others, as well as prayers to pray throughout the week and activities. Um, it's a great tool to continue that journey of what we've already been talking about this week. Another thing that you can do, our leaders would love to know how we can help you take whatever next step you're ready for. Um, you can fill out the connect card, which is at the top of the screen at any time, and let us know any questions, prayer requests, anything we can help you with. We would love to um, come alongside you in that. Um, also, like I said, church is not just a building. It's a community of people, and we want to be here for each other. So if anything come up, comes up in your week, please let us know. Do not hesitate to connect with us. We would love to hear from you, pray with you, and help in whatever way we can. So we hope to see you next week. Join us at 10.30 for our service. Um, if you want to get on a little bit earlier at 10.10, we'll have a chat going with some fun questions to get to know each other. And we hope to see you there. Have a great week.